0: Baptism of fire for Oscar Rutherford here. Josh Parrish with you on the EPL show on an eventful Wednesday night at FNR. Uh, Don't know if you want to peek behind the scenes or not, but uh, we've had some internet connectivity problems. Uh, So we've... Tried turning it off and on again several times. That was my Seems suggestion. to have done the trick. Uh, but yeah, first off, Oscar, thank you for all your technical support throughout the evening. That's what you're here for.
1: Absolutely. Uh, it's really playing to my strengths. I'm glad I'm, I'm already a valuable, a valuable contributor to the FNR team.
0: So regular viewers of the, uh, the EPO show may realize that a regular host, Nick Hughes, is not with us this evening. Uh, that's because he has graduated today. So, massive congratulations uh, to Nick Hughes. But we've gone out and replaced our resident Liverpool fan with our resident Everton fan.
1: Well, it's a, it's a bold label, but I'll take it. Yep, sure. <laughs> if anything, you know, yeah. Well, that, that, I
0: don't think you you nail your colours to the mast quite like Nick Hughes does. No,
1: I wouldn't. I wouldn't
0: put my. I
1: wouldn't make that claim so strongly. But like, you know, if I had an allegiance, that's where it would lie. Yeah, that's fair.
0: So, tonight we've got a big show. We're going to be chatting to station favourite Johnny Gould about his beloved Aston Villa, former member of the uh, Supporters Trust, uh, a broadcaster of some repute over in the UK, and just the biggest Aston Villa fan we've, I think, ever come across. So, he's probably mourning the departure of Jack Grealish, but welcoming the arrival of Stephen Gerrard to the hot seat over at Villa Park. And it was a pretty special occasion for Stevie G on his return to Anfield over the weekend.
1: Yeah, definitely was big day for for both clubs, and particularly for Stevie G's. Obviously, obviously, we'll talk more to Johnny about it, but mm. I'm sure he'll he'll be in a buoyant mood considering how his how his side's going because they're they're looking pretty good. Got another win this morning, feeling good.
0: Yeah, it's he's been uh, quite a start for him. I don't know if it's banning catch up that's done the trick. Uh, I look, we're, we're going to get into it with Johnny as to yeah. the. Uh, as the factors behind uh, his early success there, uh, but first let's start with the number of penalties that decided games over the weekend. It's uh, maybe the Barclays Penalty League. We should rename it. There were quite a few, weren't there? And mm. and and a lot
1: of them decisive. I think. I mm. mean, you think of the City game. You think of the Liverpool game, the United game. Lots of penalties. Um, which, of course, as always, brings brings VAR back into focus as we as we continue to question whether it's benefiting the game or not. Maybe that's not a question anymore. Um, Yeah. Some odd calls, though. Some odd calls. I mean, Mm. I think the um, the there there was a penalty in the Leicester-Newcastle game, which was odd, which was odd and wasn't overturned, but yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah, a few interesting decisions. I mean, I've seen a few takes flying around Um, Adam Crafton of The Athletic. It's not the, it's not VAR. It's the officials, Mm. but I mean, if the officials have seen it once and they make the wrong call, I think people can forgive it. But when there's VAR, you kind of expect all the referees to get everything right. And I don't think that's a fair spotlight to be putting on officials. I do think VAR is the issue here.
1: Yeah. and it, I guess it becomes really complicated. Mm. I mean, this is beyond the discussion of penalties at this point when we talk about the subjectivity of calls and the difficulty mm. of even if a call is like 70-30 wrong, do you stick with that kind of thing because you can at least understand why 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 that decision might have been made? Mm-hmm. And so I think there were a few instances of that over the weekend in the Premier League, uh, and 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 I have a bit of sympathy as to that position, which is to say that there's human error and there should still be a, an amount of that, and that there isn't you know an, an objectively correct call every single time.
0: So Manchester, man, let's get into the specific decisions: uh, Manchester City versus Wolves. Uh, into the armpit of, mm. of João Matinho. Yeah, what was your view on that one? Because mine, at first glance, looked like a clear penalty. Arm was well above his head, uh, but then on the replay, didn't look like it actually hit the part of his arm that was supposed to count as handball. Well, I'm just really confused as to why his arm was up there in the first mm.
1: place. To be honest, like, yeah, I, I think that in many ways, the referees were more okay to go with that because it's it's punishing a player who's recklessly using their arms in a defensive manner and and, you know I don't know why you do that you know that this has been happening for Mm. a long time so in in that sense I'm kind of I I I I get the call. I get the call. I, I I I don't think that there was enough maybe to be overturned. Just oh gee, I say these things and then yeah. I doubt myself and
0: I go. Well, <laughs> oh. it's it's tough, isn't it? Because I don't think anyone really knows what a handball is. No. Um. There are that many players who've been punished for just leaving their hand by their side and then having the ball crossed into them. So I can understand the impulse to throw your hand trying to away from the ball's trajectory. I think he did more harm than good doing that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, aside from defending with your arms behind your back, which is what some defenders in those positions resort to, I'm not sure what you can really do these days to get away with it. I
1: think the trend has been to be more forgiving of a of, of player who has their arm by their sides at the, in, over the maybe this season. that That's kind of been less mm-hmm. punishable. And so in that sense, they might be going harder when your arm's far away from your body as it was for Giammatina. So uh, at least there's some method to that, I guess. Mm-hmm. If They say that if you keep your arms by your side, you're significantly more likely to be protected, which I think is what they've generally sure. been doing this season.
0: Uh, Manchester United versus Norwich. What was your view on that one?
1: Well, Ronaldo's a good player, isn't he? <laughs> he, he he's good to have. He, he, yeah, so obviously the, the second Premier League game for Ralph Ragnick, uh, another 1-0 win. So back-to-back clean sheets. Uh, but I'd say in both games, but particularly the Norwich game, United mm-hmm. definitely could have conceded, definitely maybe got a bit fortunate at times. So it hasn't quite clicked yet, but I think that's completely okay from a United perspective. You don't expect it to straight away. If it's, it's if it's a whole kind of philosophical revolution, a, a fundamental mm-hmm. change to the functioning of the club, which is what it's being built as, then you know, getting scrappy wins to start is kind of ideal. It's the best case scenario.
0: Absolutely. I mean... Just getting the result is probably enough for Ranick at this point. I don't think, given it's a new regime and a vastly different tactical setup, uh, anyone is expecting big things early. But I also do wonder what the feedback Solskjaer would have got if he put in these exact same performances because neither win has been particularly impressive for my money.
1: Yeah, but I guess that's when you say that Solsha's had time like, like if, if this were a, a lot longer than yeah, like if, that, if those were performances from from Solskjaer teams you'd be going like surely you've come up with something better by this point mm. surely surely you ha- should have your team more f- functioning better sure. and, and have a system more in place whilst whilst there's you know consistently more sympathy for if, if you're implementing a new play style and and you know you're just playing your first couple of games maybe it hasn't 100% clicked yet and that, and that kind of makes sense and that kind, that's i think what it looks like they look like a team that are, that are in transition, that are changing the way that they're playing and haven't quite ironed out all the cracks yet. And, you know, and if they keep getting wins while that's happening, then that's obviously the ideal
0: outcome. Speaking of penalties, Chelsea versus Leeds, 3-2 it finished, a 94th minute penalty, Jorginho's second of the contest, buried both. Chelsea a bit fortunate here to get over the line in such dramatic circumstances? I
1: definitely think so. I think I think Leeds played really well. Mm. I, I didn't think Chelsea were that great. I think that Chelsea started both halves well and then kind of faded as the game went. Leeds kind of got on top of the. They won the midfield battle for for mm-hmm. large portions of it. Um, looked like they grabbed a point near the end, but but as you say, a couple of penalties. But just just on those penalties, they were they were both really really bizarre. I don't understand. What's going through the players' mind. So the fir- both both the penalties challenges on Anto- Antonio Rudiger of all players on the edge of the penalty area. So hardly you know someone that you're you're panicking desperately because he's got the ball and he's going to you know maneuver in the tight spaces really well and fire in a shot. Like that's not really the threat. And the first one in particular was I think Rafinha who made the challenge when Rudiger's mm-hmm. you know, effectively on the goal line with the ball in the, in the edge of the penalty. I've got no idea why you'd go flying in like he did. Um, Initially not given from memory, but then overturned by VAR, and I get why. I get he, he he went through the player, um, but but I just don't know why you'd open yourself up to that risk because Leeds didn't. I'm going to say they didn't deserve to lose that game, but it's also their own fault. So yeah. you know, that, it was it was their errors for, for all of the for all of the goals, particularly the penalties, which were just really really strange.
0: Leeds have been making a lot of mistakes this season. It's really killed them. I mean, I I still think they're good enough to stay up. There's certainly three worse teams than them, but it's not looking as comfortable as you might have thought for Marcelo Bielsa, especially after today's game. 7-0 against Manchester City. Yes, Leeds take risks that other teams don't and maybe leave themselves open to these types of score lines if things begin to go south. But, I mean, what did you make of that? Because... It, it, was it just City being absolutely irresistible or was it Leeds being diabolical or a combination of the two?
1: So Leeds took, I think, four points from Man City in the Prem last mm-hmm. season. So they, they're, they're clearly not incapable. The Bielsa, side isn't inca- the, the Bielsa style isn't incapable of matching up with the Guardiola style. But I think it's one of those things when, when you've got two teams who are going toe-to-toe, they're, they're both sticking to their game style and, and firing at each other if one of those teams is just a couple percentage points lower down or, or, or just slightly off their game, then that, then that I guess, uh, difference feels really exacerbated. You feel like there's a huge gap between the teams, and that's what it looked like uh, uh, this morning uh, in that game. Just whilst we're on leads, I think it's important to point out that they do have a bit of an injury crisis going on at the mm. moment. I think so. Liam Cooper's out at the back, along with Stroke, along with Robin Cock, and... Uh, Amongst others, there, there's there's a few other players who are missing who are slipping my mind at the moment, which is great. Yep. Calvin Phillips obviously is, yep. is the big one, so they're they're really struggling in that sense. Uh, in the fullback position this morning, Jamie Shackleton went off injured, and Junior Firpo picked up a yellow card, which means he's suspended. So I don't know what they're going to do on the weekend against Arsenal. So there, there there are lots of things out of Bielsa's control that are making this particularly difficult. But yeah, they were. It it, it was a no contest this morning with City. City were just way too sharp, way too good.
0: I think sometimes when City win by that many goals, it doesn't actually benefit them. I remember this in the FA Cup final, and I think Guardiola was starting to look increasingly worried that year when they smashed Watford. And it was like, actually, this is starting to expose how unfair football really is at the top level, and that's not in City's interests to be exposing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I like the idea that the Guardiola's worrying going, we're going to blow our covers soon. Soon they'll know know how much more money we spent than Leeds and that'll be a disaster once people find that Mm -hmm. out. Um, But, well, yeah, well, that's right. I think, really, I think the difference for the Leeds game was we, we saw what having a deep squad can do for a team. And City have a whole bunch of players that they can rotate in, whilst for Leeds, when they've got the injuries, I mean, Bielsa played the same eleven this morning as he did on the weekend, so you know, and that really shone through because they just didn't have the sharpness mm. or the or the 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 energy that the City side came out with, and the fact that they scored two goals in the first fifteen minutes, they broke the Leeds spirit, if you will, and and it was a it was a romp from there.
0: Well, I mean, a romp it was, and. uh Certainly, City are stamping their authority on the Premier League. Liverpool still with the game in hand, of course, four points down. City on 41 points, 40 goals scored, nine conceded. They are absolutely flying at the Mm -hmm. moment. And with a pretty favourable Champions League draw, you'd fancy them in that competition as well. That gold conceded record is incredible
1: to have only conceded nine at this stage.
0: They suffocate games. It's almost like there's not another team involved. It's just where the City can do the things that City do to get over the line and generate their scoring opportunities. It's, it's almost a game style uh, designed not to, you know, take turns. You have a go, we have a go, like, say, Liverpool. Mm. It's, it seems like it's more open and the other team could score at any time and there's more jeopardy. City, I find their game's quite hard to watch sometimes, even though they are such exhibitions, mm. because it seems like they've got a ball, the ball in a string and the other team frequently doesn't have a hope.
1: I think one of the commentators this morning was like, um, I I think Leeds had wished they'd brought their own ball to this game because, you know, that's what (laughs) it looked like. Um, Yeah, and I I read a stat that it was something like Leeds had maybe four touches in City's penalty area in the first half or something ridiculous like that. And and it's absolutely right. I mean, Leeds just could not break through the City press whatsoever. The whole game just about was spent within, you know, five metres of Leeds' penalty Mm -hmm. box and, and that... Like, that, that's what you're saying. Every time that Leeds tried to break through... I mean, the game against Chelsea, Leeds were able to do it at the weekend. They were able to have moments where they got through or they played their way through. But against City, they got nowhere. They, they'd resort to a long ball over the top and then Ruben Diaz would be there and just cut it out and rinse, repeat, go again.
0: All right. Well, uh, we've got plenty more to come on this show. We're going to be chatting to Aston Villa fan and broadcaster Johnny Gould very shortly uh, via Zoom link from the UK. Um, we're also going to hear from Arsenal fan Pakua Frimpong a little bit later. Uh, she is pretty unhappy with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Uh, we're going to have a bit of a debate about that. And uh, we've still got to discuss this botched Champions League draw uh, that's led to Florentino Perez blowing his top and uh, Manchester United drawing Atletico Madrid, even though previously they'd been put in a pot that uh, wouldn't have allowed them to. So plenty more still to come here on the EPL show on FNR.